Welcome back to the Winnipeg Foundation's Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today. A flourishing community includes a vibrant downtown. The Winnipeg Foundation's official downtown green spaces strategy, launched in 2008, commits support to green space projects in our downtown. Many of the Foundation's other grants have further enhanced the downtown landscape. In this story, we'll illustrate some of the projects the Foundation has supported over the past 15 years. First, a $95,000 grant to the Winnipeg School Division supported the Gordon Bell High School athletic field. A lot that once housed a car dealership was transformed into an athletic field for Gordon Bell High School students and the broader community. The Foundation also supported the Manitoba Children's Museum with a $1.1 million grant. The Children's Museum got a major facelift, which included the Welcome Center edition, Milk Machine, Lasagna Lookout, Mellow Marsh, and lots more. Lisa McDonald, Director of Marketing and Communications at the Manitoba Children's Museum. We've always strived to spark kids' creative learning, and we continue to do so whenever, however, and again, whenever we can. We've continuously offered our community a non-traditional educational environment. Um, and though the facility's physical location has changed over the years, along with all of our galleries and exhibit components evolving, they, they continually evolve, yet still remain focused on the hands-on learning experience that we're known for. So, like I said, ultimately lots has changed, but at our core, nothing has changed. We're still all about the children of our community and, and how to spark their creative learning. The Winnipeg Foundation also made a $6 million grant to the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. It was the largest grant in the Foundation's history that went to support the construction of this national treasure. Maureen Fitzhenry, Media Relations Manager at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. The Canadian Museum for Human Rights is uh, one of Canada's national museums. There are six altogether. We're the only museum located west of Ottawa in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And we're actually unique in the world in that um, we're the only museum in the world that is devoted exclusively to exploring human rights as a concept and an aspiration. So what the museum does is tell inspiring stories in powerful ways. And we invite visitors to come on a journey of inspiration within this stunning work of architecture um, inside, people will find digital exhibits uh, and artifacts that, that uh, bring together art, objects, images, stories, and weave a powerful narrative about the importance of human rights for all. The Foundation also supported Alloway Hall and the Winnipeg Gallery at the Manitoba Museum with a $1.5 million grant. The Alloway Hall exhibition space was expanded to accommodate larger traveling exhibits and is available for rentals while the Winnipeg Gallery features updated, inclusive stories of the city. Dr. Roland Sawatsky, Curator of History at the Manitoba Museum. We had been planning a major renewal of some of our galleries for quite some time, and um, we realized that there was this space uh, available for us and that we were also missing really a, a major portion of our province's history, and that's, that's a comprehensive history of the city of Winnipeg, our capital. We already have the Urban Gallery, and that's going to stay. It's, it's, a, it's a favorite of our visitors. It's a great space, and that really shows Winnipeg in 1920. But we wanted something that was more overarching, that gathered more of the stories of Winnipeggers into it in a comprehensive way. 
two of our main goals really was to include Indigenous history throughout, uh, from early times right to the present, and to make sure that that's fully integrated and interwoven with the rest of the history of Winnipeg as well. Uh, another thing that re- was really top of mind was that this museum, Manitoba Museum, was built between 1968 and uh, mostly 1980s, with some new galleries later on as well. Uh, but um, we hadn't captured anywhere really the story of people that have come to this province in the last couple of decades. And so this is our chance to talk about the experience of newcomers as well. A half a million dollar grant supported renovations to the historic Central Park, including improvements to lighting and landscaping, upgraded facilities for weekly summer markets, a soccer field and splash pad, refurbishment of Waddell Fountain, and more. The Foundation also supported the Winnipeg Arts Council with a $50,000 grant, which went toward a public art project commemorating the 1919 general strike installed at Pantages Theatre Plaza in time for the strike's 100th anniversary. Artist and co-creator Noam Gonick spoke with Because Radio before the unveiling. For the installation, I work with the sculptor Bernie Miller, who's done public art work across Canada. We felt that there really wasn't a large landmark to commemorate the strike. At the time, we've been working on it for five years, so there wasn't the Lily Street billboard by Tom Montaigne behind the concert hall. There was really nothing other than the odd plaque that you'd have to know where it was in order to see it. And we just felt that you know, that was probably not doing justice to the history, whether you agree with the aims of the strike or not. You can't argue that it was an important historical event and the kind of history that we should be proud of. So we set about to change that and um, worked with the Winnipeg Arts Council and found the funding uh, to put this thing together. A lot of labor unions came on board as well. So what it's going to be is sort of an almost full-scale replica of the streetcar that was tipped over on Bloody Saturday, and really very, very close to the site where it happened, just over on Pantages Plaza. It will light up at night, and I want it to be just a real beacon, something that, you know, people look at when they drive by and sort of that's instantaneously recognizable and perhaps gets people to ask why is that thing there and you know if they're really young probably like what is that because you know streetcars have been gone a long time now they're like the dinosaurs but there'll be a didactic plaque there that explains the significance of bloody saturday and the streetcar and i think you know it'll have an educational aspect as well the foundation also supported the friends of upper fort gary with a five hundred thousand dollar grant The new Heritage Park at Upper Fort Garry includes a 400-foot interpretive wall built of steel and lights that marks the height, depth, and location of the fort's original west wall. Dr. Jerry Gray, past board chair of the Friends of Upper Fort Garry. We knew what we wanted. We wanted to portray the history on the wall. The question then was how to do it. And that's when the artistic side came in, the electronic side, and it all kind of came together. But it took probably two or three years to get the concept nailed down that we actually could start working on it. And uh, something as simple as, guys, when you drill the holes in the steel for the lights, make sure they're in the right spot, right? I mean, it, we're talking the pretty basic stuff, all the way from how do we portray the conflict between the Canadian government and the Métis when they came here to resurvey the land. And that took a lot of time, a lot of collaboration, a lot of discussion to decide, first of all, what to put on, and secondly, how to, how to portray it. 
and the foundation also made a $950,000 grant to the Winnipeg Art Gallery in support of Haumayuk. The center, which opened in early 2021, showcases the world's largest collection of Inuit art. Dr. Stephen Boris, director and CEO of the Winnipeg Art Gallery. The WAG has been collecting, exhibiting, publishing on Inuit art and culture for close to 70 years. We began in the 1950s to assemble a collection which became the largest in the world. And this is carvings, prints, drawings, textiles, kind of a variety of media. And over the last few decades, discussions began about, well, how can we share more of the collection with the public when most of it's in storage, you know, in vaults off you? And um, the collection, just to give you an idea, is is close to 14,000 works. Plus, we have on long-term loan another 7,400 works from the government to none of it. So a very large collection. And at any given moment, there might be 1% on view. So Kamayuk is the kind of the response. It's a new building. It's about a 40,000-square-foot building designed by Michael Maltzen, connected to the WAG on all levels. It makes the WAG Kamayuk cultural campus about 185,000 square feet. But it is much more than a museum. It is a forum. It's a place. It's also very much part of this exercise of reconciliation, indigenization, decolonization, and responding specifically to Canada's truth and reconciliation calls to action for museums. So it's a long response to a a short question, but it has been quite the journey. The foundation supported renovations to Old Market Square with a $500,000 grant, which included landscaping, lighting and improved seating, and the construction of the cube stage. A $425,000 grant to the Forks Foundation supported the Alloway Arch and Widow's Mite Fountain. Constructed at the Forks and opened in 2015, the Alloway Arch features shards from the Alloway and Champion Bank, which was owned by Foundation founder William Forbes Alloway. It also features the Widow's Mite Fountain, which pays homage to the second gift received by the Foundation, three gold coins valued at $15. At the 2015 opening, Susan Milliken, former board chair of the Winnipeg Foundation, reflected on the legacy of caring and accomplishment that the Alloway Arch represents. I think the arch is a reminder of how much the city has accomplished and how historically we've cared for each other. And I think it also makes us, or should make us stop and wonder what we're contributing now and what people will be saying about us in 70 years. What do you think Alloway would think if he saw all this? I think he would be thrilled because I I think he gave the money not expecting anything, let alone the success of the Winnipeg Foundation. And to be honored this way, I'm sure if he was here, he'd be smiling. The foundation also supported Nijo Sebin at the Forks with a $500,000 grant a project that renovated lands running through what was formerly known as South Point Park at the Forks. It includes walkways and permanent interpretive signs recognizing the Indigenous history of the area. It's part of the 2.5-kilometer pedestrian loop connecting the Forks, Esplanade Riel, and the St. Boniface Belvedere. 
Paul Jordan, past CEO of The Forks. It is really about reconciliation, and it is about this is our history. This is what this place was. As Europeans, we've only been here 200 years, 150 years, but there was 12,000 years of history here, and uh, there were people living here for 6,000 years. So it's interesting to expand the history and tell those stories because they're very interesting stories. They're what we are, and it's why this place is here. And I think the whole idea of this pathway is to help tell those stories. This loop will help people understand the history of this place because history is so important. The Winnipeg Foundation also supported the St. Boniface Belvedere with a $1 million grant. A public space along Taché Avenue between Provence Boulevard and Despins Street that was transformed to create an elevated lookout above the riverbank incorporating public art and downtown vistas. Norm Gousseau, CEO of Entreprise Riel. The promenade Taché, which was, I guess the ribbon was cut on it in 1984, was starting to look a little worn. And uh, sidewalks weren't wide enough. A lot of people were trying to get through here, but yet it was, you know, it was just not conducive for pedestrian traffic and cyclists and that sort of thing. So we started talking about that. And of course, the Winnipeg Foundation is at the table right away on these things, it seems. Somehow they hear about it and they're there. Rick Frost was at the table and he said, you know, how about if I spend a little bit of money, help you guys get it to uh, conceptual design uh, level? So we did that with, uh, with a couple of architects, it's in Gaburi and Gary Hildeman, and uh, it allowed us to dream. And then once that dream got going, then we're just like, that's it, we're going to deliver this thing. So as, as a community, as all the stakeholders, including the foundation and the forks, uh, we got together and kept putting the pressure on to make it happen. And, and here we are today, cutting the ribbon on something that's going to be a, leg- that's a legacy for the city of Winnipeg, I think, and, and, and tourists who, uh, who would come and have a look at our, at our wonderful city. A $500,000 grant went to Red River College in support of the Patterson Global Foods Institute. The Union Bank Tower was transformed into the Patterson Global Foods Institute, which houses the culinary arts and hospitality and tourism programs, as well as a student residence. The redevelopment also included the adjacent Bijou Park, which links Old Market Square to Main Street. The foundation also made a $600,000 investment supporting installations by Indigenous artists at the Forks. These three installations will recognize the integral role truth and reconciliation plays in our nation's collective journey forward. Val Vince, Education is the New Bison was installed in 2020, and she spoke with Because Radio about how she created her installation when it was first announced in 2019. My piece is a bison. It comes from elders talking about uh, education as our new bison because at one time that was the animal that provided everything, food, shelter, tools, everything. And now education is what does that. So the, the bison will be constructed out of not literal books but books and videos that are done predominantly by uh, Aboriginal authors and artists. There will also be some pieces of allies in there as well. So it's like pulling us together in a good way. When we were initially asked to do something, I wanted to present something positive. You know, I mean, there's lots of negative we could focus on, but that's done. I mean, it still goes on, but try to correct that. So I prayed, put down tobacco, and in my dreams, I saw this buffalo. And that was that. Casey Adams's installation, Tansi Keke Totemak, Kasis Tenemetoyak, which means What Can We Do to Respect Each Other, officially opened in 2021 
and at the opening ceremony, she shared her vision for the artwork. It was suggested that to look into Peguis and Chief Peguis and his relationship with the Selkirk settlers. I'm from Selkirk, so that had a meaningful relationship with me because my father's family was part of Peguis First Nation. So I was thinking about how their relationship was in the beginning. And Peguis saw the settlers as his relatives. He saw them as his brothers and sisters. And so, of course, he wanted to make sure that he took care of them. And with that idea of that relationship was the germ of the start of the, the piece. And so I wanted to create an artwork that talked about settler and indigenous relationships in the beginning and where we can go from now because I feel like we're being listened to for the first time and we're getting empowered again because our culture was stripped away from us for so long. So thinking about, well, how are we going to move forward in a good way for the future? And that's where this piece came together. I decided to use Wesake Jack, which is a benevolent spirit in our teachings. Um, he has the brother wolf in the teachings as well, in the stories. And so I decided to call the wolf, the settlers, and Wisaki Jack, the indigenous people of this territory. And it really talks about, are they going to be good to one another or are they going to be bad to one another? In 2019, Jamie Isaac also shared with us the inspiration for her forthcoming installation, which is set to be complete in 2021, called The Eighth and Final Fire. It's going to tell the Anishinaabe prophecy of the eighth and final fire that really tells and talks about relationships of all nations on um, Turtle Island. And the eighth and final fire um, is lit by the seventh fire based on um, the relationships and the choice that people have to make together. And that's um, based on a foundation of understanding and empathy. And it's, it will be lit or it won't be lit based on people's decisions to move forward in the future together. And the foundation granted $150,000 in support of the gathering space at the Forks. Located at Nijo Zibin, this space provides a quiet place to meet away from the bustle of the Forks. Nigan Sinclair, Indigenous Curator of the Forks National Historical Site. The gathering space is just the space just off the side of the bridge, um, going on to Nijo Sibin, which is the south point at the Forks. Uh, Nijo Sibin means two rivers, that's the name uh, Clarence Nipanak gave to that space. Um, the entirety of the sort of, uh, uh, the people, a lot of people call it the island, even though it's not really an island, but um, just off the other side of the bridge of the Forks. And that space is uh, always been denoted as uh, indigenous space uh, at the Forks, ever since the very first developers back in the 1980s. This is the uh, the installations uh, part of uh, the second phase of a three-part installation at the uh, Nijo Sibin, which involves a traditional space, a ceremonial space, a place in which people can hold weddings and namings and uh, so on. And, uh, you know, also a place for people to come together uh, in kind of a quieter way than in, at Odena, for example. At Odena, it's very much a large-scale kind of venue. A lot of people watch. Uh, some people don't feel comfortable with that when they do a moon ceremony, for example. And so 
so we want to be able to encourage a space for everyone to to come and so this wigawam is based on uh, Medewin principles Anishinaabe principles um, it's this structure that uh, for many years for millennia we lived in we did our political life in our social life our cultural life ceremonial life all in that space and uh, there's many teachings that are within that building as well if you'd like to learn more or see any of the downtown green spaces we featured today on a map you can learn more by visiting wpgfdn.org 100, click the 2010s, and click Transforming the Heart of Our City. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org.